0: Welcome to the Love of Dirt podcast. I'm Nikki and I'm your host and today I'm going to be talking about how we make compost at home. Hey guys, welcome to another week. Um, I'm just going to total, total disclaimer, it's actually a bit rainy today and my office is right next to a carport that is that has a tin shed so if there's a little bit of static that's that's why um, it's actually rain. So I'm not going to complain. We all love rain. Um, maybe we're getting a little bit too much at the moment, but tanks are full, so I'm happy. So today I wanted to talk about composting. So I've written a few blogs on this. Um, when I send out surveys on my email list, the number one thing that people want to know more about is composting. So it is one of the key ingredients to the success of growing food in in my opinion. Um, There is nothing like homegrown compost and so if you're growing your own food I really think that knowing how to make your own compost is really really super important. So obviously you can buy it um, which is handy if you need it um, but it's just really not the same. Uh, You really have no idea what's going into store-bought compost. I've actually seen some people on Instagram find chunks of treated pallets in their organic compost, which goes to show that the industry is really not as regulated as it should be. So especially if you are buying it um, to put it next to the food that you're eating, I think it's really important to know what you're getting. So the benefits of having compost is in your garden is it's increasing organic matter, which in turn really increases that water holding capacity. It also benefits all those good little microorganisms in your soil to help keep your plants help your plants get the nutrients that they need. If you want to deep dive into soil health, I recommend um, checking out some of the work by Dr. Elaine Ingham. Um, She's got some excellent resources. Um, and her business, I think, is called the Soil Food Web. But if you're really wanting to deep dive into um, healthy soil, she is the go-to guru of this topic. So other benefits of home composting is, is reducing waste. So home composting is stopping all of that unnecessary waste going to landfill. Fill. So if you're growing most of the food that you consume anyway, any scraps that you potentially produce is likely gonna go back into your compost bin. So this is closing that loop and you're putting those nutrients that you've taken out with your harvest back into your garden. So long-term, you're not having to continually restore, 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 restore as much. So what goes into compost? So we personally add all of our garden and kitchen scraps with the addition of extra browns in the form of dried leaves or mulch. So often, our browns is just our chicken coop bedding when we've done a clean out. Um, so, we, we use a sugarcane mulch for bedding for their nesting boxes and things like that. And we just sort of put it next to the compost bin. So, every time we put in our, um, our kitchen scraps, in go a handful of browns. So, the, the key elements of good compost are obviously your nitrogen um, component, which is your kitchen scraps, it could be manure. Um, Any kind of green, leafy foliage is considered nitrogen. And then your carbon, which is more the the dried, sort of starting to break down things. So mulch, sawdust, straw, um, dead leaves, that's your carbon. You also need air and you need water. So one of the most common issues I find that people have with composting is not getting that balance right. So you want a good mix of that browns. The carbon-based elements and the greens Um, and if if it's not right what will happen is it will stink so if your compost stinks it means that your balance isn't right it shouldn't smell Um, obviously there is that element of the breaking down food and things like that but when you open your bin or whatever system you've got if you can smell it before you get there it just it means your balance is off so things that are browns are your your straw, mulch, dead leaves, sawdust, wood chips, cardboard and paper also constitute browns. We use um, who gives a crap um, toilet paper. So we chuck in all our toilet rolls and the wrappers that go with that. Um, and that sort of helps keep that balance. In terms of greens, so the number one thing that I think people get a little bit confused with and think it is actually brown is actually grass clippings. So grass clippings is... Um, it's still green so unless you're sitting there and drying it out it's still considered a nitrogen part so you need to do that balance with that carbon element so obviously your food scraps garden scraps and any kind of manure is um, in that category in terms of the air component if you don't get air into your compost it will just sit in a clump and it will just take longer to break down Um, it's good to give it a good mix just to keep things going along. So I find um, if I don't turn it, if I get a bit lazy, it just, it just comes to a standstill and it doesn't keep breaking down and it takes way longer. So um, usually once a week, I'll give it a turn. If I really want compost fast, I'll do it probably every two or three days. Um, I did purchase a special compost turner, but I don't use it very often. <laughs> I just use a garden fork and I just stick it in and give it a wiggle and I find that that's enough. In terms of water or moisture in your compost, you want it to be like a wrung out sponge. So not sopping wet um, and not dry. So if you do find that you've added too much water, you can just sort of balance it out with more dry carbon elements. Um, And like I said before, just go by your nose. If things ever feel a bit stinky, just know your balance is off. And usually stink means you need to add more carbon. If the um, The processor has um, slowed down. Check your moisture, um, make sure you're getting air. And if it's still not going, it kind of means that you don't have enough nitrogen. So add a bit more just to get things going on again. So are there any things that you should avoid in your compost? Composting worms aside, Technically, anything that was once alive can be composted. However, there are some things that you may want to avoid, particularly if you're using on edibles and particularly if you live in suburbia and you don't want unwanted visitors. Um, so some of the things that I would recommend not putting in dairy products. So that's going to attract vermin, fish and meat scraps. That's it. It will probably make it stink really bad and attract unwanted visitors cat and dog poo and i will be recording a podcast on this um shortly but you can set up a compost system just for your cat and dog poo um only um it's just you can't use it on your edibles because those pathogens that are in their feces is very harmful to humans and you just don't want that near the food that you're putting in your mouth So oils will just um, clog up the system, suffocates worms. It's not good in compost bin. Um, And any diseased or bug infested plants, I don't put in my compost because I want to get rid of it. I want it out of my loop. So I don't want it spreading further. So things like if I find that I've got root knot nematodes on um, some carrots and I peel it um, to cook, I'll usually put that in the bin because I don't want them hanging about. So I'm sure if I was doing like a hot composting method, which I'll talk about shortly, that they would probably be eradicated. But because we mostly do cold composting here, um, that's something that I keep an eye on. One misconception is that you can't compost onions and citrus. We do, no problems. We get a a lot of orange peels over the winter months because my um, father-in-law has an orange tree and my kids love oranges so we're eating oranges two or three oranges a day they go in the compost they're fine breaks down no problems doesn't mess up the system so don't worry about that if for worm farming I'd leave it out it just makes the system too um acidic so I will be recording another podcast on worm farming shortly so that's um just something Something to keep in mind if your your compost is is a worm farm more than a compost bin. So let's talk about the methods of composting. Um, there are so many ways that you can process waste, and the couple of methods that we've used are one, composting worms; two, the cold costing composting system; and hot composting, which we're still yet to master, and it's more a resource issue than anything else. Uh, so composting worms. So I'm kind of lazy. Well, really on time poor, I've got two preschoolers vying <laughs> for my attention every moment I'm outside. But um, personally, my favorite is vermicomposting, which is worm farming. So they're completely different. Composting worms are completely different to your average garden worms. So don't sort of mix them up. Um, don't think, oh yeah, I found this worm in the garden. I'm going to start a worm farm. They're completely different. They, they, feast on um rotting organic matter essentially. Um, But with the output that comes out of composting worms, um, I find it to be far more superior. Um, It just it's it's lighter in texture. There's yeah, it's just when I add it to a garden I feel like all of the problems that I may have had with it just goes away. So the downside is they don't handle as much waste as what you would expect. So in our situation, they, our worm farm doesn't, we can't give all of our food scraps to it. It just won't handle it. There's not enough. Um, and also there are things that they don't like. So I think that they, worm farms really need to complement another type of composting system. In a, as I said, in a later podcast, I will be going through some of the systems that we've used and what we've ended up with. Um, but if you've got any issues with keeping worms alive, I do have an ebook on my website with all of my tips and tricks to get the most out of your composting worms. Um, and if you head to our website and look for the show notes for this podcast, there will be a link to it as well. So cold composting, which is – this is kind of your typical – you've got a little pile and you add stuff to it as you go so this is what we do it works for us um and we end up with sort of every every month if we time it right we've got a new batch of compost that we can add to the garden so we use um the little i think it's a I think it's a tumbleweed, I'm not really sure, but it's basically the little, it's like a bin with the bottom cut out. Um, it's got a little lip on it and we bury it about 10 centimetres down and then cover it up with dirt so that prevents rats digging in. Um, if I didn't have this absolute fear of vermin, I would probably just have an open pile in the middle of nowhere. Also, we have a beagle who likes to eat ridiculous, stupid things things, stinky things. So we need to sort of keep it contained. So that's why we use one of those um, setups. Um, And we just, every time we add our scraps in, we add in the the carbon, give it a little bit of mix um, and it's good to go. So because we've got three of these bins and then basically we have one that's cooking, one that we're adding to, um, and then another one that's cooking so the a second sort of phase along so it's basically every month we're harvesting something um the one thing with this system is it it's not going to kill any weed seeds so if you're concerned about pumpkins sprouting up everywhere or tomatoes sprouting up everywhere it's probably not not the type of um, composting you'll want to do um they will sprout um to get around that what i find is once i do a layer of compost you get some um newspaper and then put your newspaper on top of the compost and then the mulch on top and that will stop those weeds sprouting um that's that's a really good solution for us um basically what we add to it is what we can't give the worms like obviously I know what the worms love and they love pumpkins and they love watermelons (laughs) Um, so everything else kind of goes to this compost system um Anything that I cut in terms of um, garden waste, so like if I'm I'm trimming um, our perennial basils, I will mulch it before putting into the compost system so it's smaller and it breaks down quicker. The last sort of system that I want to talk about is hot composting. So hot composting is a great way to get compost fast, but it's kind of, it's a tricky balance um, because you need to have a cubic meter of stuff ready to go. Um, So there are many people have different methods with hot composting but we have found that that one part nitrogen two parts carbon is a good ratio and we also find that it's not one for using veggie scraps as much but instead you use things like manure for your nitrogen component and grass clippings and you use um your sawdust and hay as the brown component So for it to be classified as a hot composting system, it needs to reach a temperature of 50 to 60 degrees Celsius. Um, And that's not from ambient temperature, which I feel like sometimes we're going to get there one of these days with, with the way that the climate's going, but it's more from microbial activity. So for it to, for this to happen, you need that cubic, so meter by meter um, pile of stuff. Um, it requires a fair bit of checking and turning. But if you get your, your mix right, you'll have a weed-free, nutrient-rich soil additive for your garden in, they say, 28 days, but I reckon it's probably more like about six weeks. Really depends on how, you, how you're how you checking it and how it's going. Um, and you know with all compost, um, with the cold compost and the hot composting systems, that I always know when it's ready to go, smells like yeah it's uh, <laughs> I know there's a lot of compost gurus out there it's like yeah it just smells like earth and it will no longer resemble what it once was there'll be no remnants of food and things like that but also a really good indicator to know that your compost is ready as the worms the the garden worms have arrived they're in there they're loving life um, of course, there's other systems like Bokashi. Um, if you live in in the city, that's a good option. The only downside with Bokashi, well, there's a couple of downsides. I find one you need to buy, buy grains, inoculated grains to go in it, to ferment it. But you also need to either bury the, so you leave it for, um, I think it's a month might be, might be two weeks. Um, we did it for a little while, but we stopped <laughs> a while ago, so it's hard to remember what we did. But you do need to either bury that the compost or you need to put it in another compost bin anyway. So you can't just top dress once it's finished fermenting. It is literally like pickled stuff. Um, so you can't just top dress that like you would a regular compost. You actually need to process it further. So whether that's burying it in a hole or putting it into a, another composting system. So that's my kind of roundup on all things composting. Um, If you have any questions, um, please hit me up on Instagram. If you're on my email list, um, shoot me an email, um, reply to um, emails that I send out. That's the one that I'm on. Um, And let me know. I'd love to know what kind of composting you use at home. Um, If you're looking for more step-by-step tutorials, um, more help and assistance, Um, come on over and join us in the Dirt Lovers membership Um, I've got a bunch of different composting um, workshops video workshops in there and I'm also there to answer your specific composting questions amongst um, a multitude of other things all things organic and suburban gardening so I hope you guys found that helpful and I will speak to you guys next week Thanks for listening to the Love of Dirt podcast. If you love this episode, please leave a review. To subscribe, check out other episodes or grab some of my free food growing resources, head on over to loveofdirt.com.au forward slash podcast.